Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1984. The album is This is Spinal Tap, the soundtrack. The artist is Spinal Tap. My guest is Brock Wilbur. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's good to be here. Um, okay, so you picked this first. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, maybe we could do Metalocalypse. And then I'm like, well, I'm kind of like stupid when it comes to Metalocalypse. So you said, all right, let's go back to Spinal Tap. So you have we're, something to talk about. We're, we're all just into quote unquote fake fake bands yeah yeah so that's we can we can just dive into that genre <laughs> exactly so uh, uh, we talked about, right after like, we get over this picture of you with the guy from the jinx uh it's me and gore vidal <laughs> okay yeah close enough it's fine you know or the guy from the jinx but then there's my you know the mcflies are hanging out on the wall too uh but yeah yeah, yeah me and gore vidal your 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 house has so much it's just stuff it's all this on. it's all this stuff and i want it. you've built your own lego monopoly board yeah. and I'm, I'm just gonna look at that the whole episode um, that's the Lego Cheers bar that I'm working on. Right oh now. my God! You you were blocking the Cheers bar <laughs> with your body. I wasn't prepared for that. Is that is that a Keanu Reeves behind it? Uh, what? No, th- this is George Harrison, uh, a McFarlane of the. I didn't even care for Yellow Submarine as a kid. I'm just like, I like the Beatles. I'll get that. And I got George Harrison for whatever reason. <laughs> I've been uh, on the vinyls, plowing back through the uh, Beatles anthologies mm-hmm. lately, which was how I first heard most of those songs as yeah, a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still think that they're the superior Beatles. <laughs> Songs. Sure. Yeah. Just in, I know that they're. That's not right. Right. But no, I. I actually, I get that too, because like I always think, well, no, I've been listening to them from the album since I was little. I'm like, uh, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. The <laughs> anthology really, like, if I don't hear like this weird, you know, version of it, I'm like, this is not the right. Oh, that's right, because this is the real song. Yeah. No, and some of them are so anyway. weird and saying way off. Like, what if we did it like a polka? And yeah. you're like, that's not how uh, because was supposed to be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why don't they fuck up in the middle? Why is Paul not making some weird noise? Or, you know. Speaking of bands that were quote-unquote real. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh, yeah, I've got to take on the Beatles right off the... Do it. Uh, no, but uh, (laughs) the uh, Metalocalypse, the idea of that cartoon show... is that uh, there's a metal band that exists that's 100 times more popular than the Beatles. Yes, right. Uh, so people all over the world are, you know, just commit suicide at their shows. People, <laughs> people like nations go to war over albums not being released on time, things like that. So good. Uh, and Brendan Small, who voiced Brendan Small in the show Home Movies, uh, went from being the little kid in that to voicing most of the characters on this uh-huh. and doing all the music. And, and of course, they toured and it became, it became a, a real band. And I remember each time one of the albums would come out, sitting down to try and work through it on guitar and just being like, no, oh, I haven't tried doing metal music in a few years and just uh, shredding my fingers. There's a Uh-oh. very there's a very funny YouTube clip from when the show first came out that's just obviously him in front of a webcam <laughs> being forced to do it, mm-hmm. where somebody was like, hey, Brendan Small, why don't you teach people how to play the Metalocalypse opening theme? <laughs> and so he stands there and he's like, all right, well, the first part goes like, all right you got that and then the second part is uh okay so you got that and you're just like no one no one in the world got that he does he spends about a minute trying to disgusted trying to teach idiot that's what you you saw what i did it's fine there's not even a close-up on the frets uh but i every everything in the in the the fake band thing comes back to the idea that you have to do it so well yeah. otherwise it's not funny and it's a even in the bands that aren't real bands but are fake bands like the i remember when the tenacious d album first came mm-hmm. out and being like why is dave grohl playing drums on this <laughs> that's that's too much effort for what this is <laughs> right right 
uh, and then being like, oh, yeah, Dave Grohl has to play drums on this because it has Wonder Boy has to be that oh, yeah. level or yeah. else it doesn't work. Right. That's <laughs> And that's the thing that comes up. I think we've only done this album once before, but we also did it with the Ruddles. Like this mm-hmm. always comes up where if it's 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 got it doesn't have to be an exact replica of anything, but it has to be professional as fuck and it has to be tight. And it go it, it goes so much further. There's a song that's comprised entirely of electric bass guitars mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about big bottoms. Uh-huh. Like that's an insane <laughs> thing to do. But to pull it off musically as well as they do it yeah. is even crazier. And then and then for the rest of time anytime somebody does a song with more than one basses in it you're like ah the spinal tap reference that you're doing there is kind of right right the other thing too is like i i do often wonder because i'm not musically all that educated but that's fine like i feel like while they did obviously not invent hair metal obviously they're Mm -hmm. playing with a they're playing with a, a thing we're familiar with i got worse after this movie like it really did like and i just wonder i wonder there have been musicians that saw it that were just like yeah, mm-hmm. I want to do that. Right. Like, no sense of, like, that this is taking the piss out of anyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah I want that bus. <laughs> I want that girlfriend who uh, knows the oh, signs. God. Like, it'll be fine. <laughs> do you have a favorite song? We can start there. Do you have a favorite song on here? Uh, I can pull up the track list, too. This is always where I get kind of fucked. Yeah, there's... I, I love that the only song that is, is, like, inherently sort of funny is Sex Farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one... Uh, Rock and Roll Creation is probably my favorite. Okay, it is solid. I was just listening to that, too. Oh, and I forgot to listen to the Flower People and Give Me Some Money are on here. Give Me Some Money is is, is maybe the best song on here. Like, uh-huh. it, it pops into my head all of the time. Uh, for some reason, Cups and Cakes. I don't know why. It's my favorite on the whole thing. And Cups and Cakes. Yeah. <laughs> It's so stupid, though. Like, I mean, just like, I love that they're exploring this evolution of rock, but it's this total false, like, maybe not false for some people, but like going from this fucking, oh, they've got a flower child variation, Mm -hmm. they've got this, like, Britpop variation, and then they settle on shitty metal. Like, I just love I mean, the Stones did disco. Like, people have done worse. (laughs) That is true. That is true. (laughs) When did you first, when did you first see it, or did you hear it first? I'm I'm wondering. Some people. Oh, uh, I, I, so I uh, when I was a kid uh, in like the early '90s or so, they did that series of like Intel ads that Spinal Tap was in. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where they were sort of getting back together and stuff. And my dad was just exploding with laughter, and I was like, I don't know who this is. Uh-huh. And he was like, Oh, I f- I failed as a f- as a rock and roll father. <laughs> we got to crack because my dad has been in a rock band for 35 years. He formed a band with his co-workers at a bank for a Christmas party 35 years ago called The Last National Band. Awesome. And they dress up as uh, uh, they dress up as the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody in the band wears the sunglasses and the hat and the tie. Uh, and they started playing, you know, that Christmas party and stuff, and they do 50s, 60s, 70s rock covers. And then people in small Kansas towns started being like, would you come play like our street fair or uh-huh. our beer festival or something? And they've just been doing it sort of ever since, in addition to whatever their day jobs are. So awesome. So, like, they, they played a New Year's Eve show the other night, and they've played that New Year's Eve show with REO Speedwagon in Kansas and Fog Hat and people like that before. Awesome. And that that's my version of, of a fake band. It's like my uh-huh. dad is and, – and even when they first formed it, my mom was like, well, you're not going to leave me at home while you go – 
get drunk with your friends. So my mom's in the band too. She's the B3 organ player. Uh, and sort of grow up with two parents in a rock band uh, was, was pretty great. Oh my God. That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, they sat me down and showed me Spinal Tap. And I was like, I, I appreciate that I saw it then because there's nothing worse than trying to show somebody Spinal Tap now mm-hmm. because they know it from references and they know yes. it from things that have referenced it or have also done it. So there's nothing new to be seen when you see it. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, I don't. I, I guess I inherently knew this culturally. It's right. not funny. Yeah, it's it's really hard to separate yourself uh, from what you already know. Like you could try, but it would be kind of be false enjoyment of it. Maybe I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, did you, they did they like it from like a musical perspective? Like were they like, oh, I I get this because I know musicians, or were they just like, this is just funny, funny? I I think that they they both had experienced on on smaller scales those sort of problems with okay. touring and things like that and my my dad had had tried to uh, much more seriously to be a touring musician when he was a kid he was uh uh he was up late uh his first semester of college uh in a pre-med program and uh he could hear a party outside while him and his roommate were inside attempting to determine the freezing point of urine for a test <laughs> and they both looked at each other and said you want to quit and just do music and, and so they did like that was the end of pre-med <laughs> Holy uh shit. and he, he he opened a little recording studio my dad actually uh there there he used to do full-time uh radio jingles because uh, there used to be a big industry for that because not yeah. only would you hire somebody to make a jingle for your business you do they do eight or ten different variations in length on the song for different radio spots they do like a 30 minute version of it for your hold music for things like that and so on yeah uh and then in like the the late 80s early 90s somebody had the idea at a radio station it's like what if we just had our djs record these radio spots over just backing rock tracks and then that whole industry died overnight uh but my dad had been had, had done very well in that for a number of years, and it's and because it was a small town in Kansas, some of those like jingles for businesses will pop up every once in a while, or like parody songs he wrote just for our hometown, like the story of the Great Salina Pothole, which is about how there were too many potholes in town, and people were falling into them, and whole cars and pets were disappearing, with all these weird sound effects in the background. Like somebody, somebody I went to school with, their parents dug up like a tape of that at one point and brought it to me. I was like, no one ever, no one, no one in my family obviously ever told me about any of these things. <laughs> so they were just fun things to find along the road yeah, over the yeah, years. Yeah. Dad, you wrote a song about potholes that's pretty wacky. Ah, uh, <laughs> we should talk about this. <laughs> Well, okay, so where are you originally from? Salina, Kansas. Salina, Kansas. That's what I thought. Okay, and where is that? What's the nearest metropolitan area? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. It is. It is fifteen hundred miles from both New York and LA. It is mm. the geographic center of nowhere. Nowhere. Which is where I tried to start a record label in my youth, and uh, that doesn't work either. <laughs> Just too far from anything to be anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> did your parents also introduce you to comedy, other than Spinal Tap? Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Uh, you might be a redneck if, uh, oh, shit. we would, uh, we, we would always sit around and watch, watch like Seinfeld and Frasier and stuff uh-huh. together, which was very funny to me because they didn't think that Cheers was appropriate for me. I think cause of the drinking element. Oh, okay. So I watched Frasier for like a decade, <laughs> not, not understanding it was a spinoff of something else. <laughs> Holy shit. And then I saw a Cheers episode. I was like, it's that actor. And they're like, Frasier come here. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Why did they travel back in time? Who are these people? Oh my god, that's amazing. Why 
Why is he more personable, but also a bigger ass? This is there's so much happening here. Holy crap, that's fantastic! If it had only been the episode where he says that his father's dead, your mind would have been blown because you yep. know, big. Or the one where his uh, where the actor that will play his father is at the bar uh, writing jingles for everybody. That's right. Oh, we tied it all that's back right. in. Yes. That's right. Holy fuck, I forgot about that one. Oh my god, it's that's... Yankee Doodle. Yeah, everyone loves Yankee Doodle. <laughs> Oh my God! Is it, I I can't wait to make a Lego Frasier. Now that you say that, uh, uh. oh Lego Frasier! <laughs> I don't know where I'm gonna find a balding. I mean, it wasn't as balding that anyway. I could yeah. go on for hours about uh, Lego Frasier. Um, okay, so they introduced you to Spinal Tap. Mm. Did you? Was it just a thing that you knew, or that you kept watching, or did you buy the album? Did they have the album? Like, when did you first get a chance to like listen through this shit? I think they song? bought me the album. I think we were in a in a a music land or a Sam Goody later that week. Mm -hmm. And and we got the album. Uh, There was some intrepidation about that. My family was very big on not letting me have stuff that worshiped the devil. Uh And I think that they understood that I couldn't possibly read far enough into this, that this was actual devil worship. (laughs) Right. Right. But like, no, no Marilyn Manson, no Ozzy Osbourne, none of the things like that. But spinal tap, Maybe maybe that's the the dipping the toe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that Cheers wasn't appropriate yet. Big Bottom, Big Bottom, perfectly some fine. Some of the lyrics on this out there's some of the filthiest, stupidest double entendres. But maybe that's why they're double entendres. Or if you're young, maybe you're not going to get. For a while, I thought Sex Farm. A, a few years ago, I was thinking Sex Farm wasn't that funny because it was just too stupid. Uh-huh. And then I remember that ACDC songs have verses. Like, that's a thing that every every six months I'll just remember, oh, those songs have verses, and I'll look up the lyrics, and there's not a good ACDC <laughs> lyric ever. Not ever. I, I, I think it started when I sat down with a friend, and we were like, hey, I heard uh, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap on the radio, and I'd like to do like a a really sexual, like slow R&B kind of cover of that. And then we started looking at the lyrics and in the verses of that, what is that even like the second verse is about you. You want to kidnap somebody for sex, but maybe they should be murdered for like none of it. (laughs) Something's about getting like a bad grade in school. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I forget. 80 percent of this is about teachers and school not being so great. Uh, And it's it's just all so bizarre. Holy shit. Yeah. There are these weird like personas that enter into the the music of any. Again, the thing about ACDC is like I wouldn't have noticed that. I like the sound of it. I'm okay with the sound of ACDC. I'm not a big fan, but like I would never have noticed the lyrics in that ever. Like I just Dirty Deeds Dunder Cheap is what I remember. They're they're all chorus songs that are the title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then the one song that begins, it sounds like it begins, she was a fax machine. I know that's not what he says, but that's what it sounds like. He says sex machine, I believe, but it sounds like fax machine. Rock and roll all night. Yeah. No. No. Don't no. No. Um okay. Let's all right, because uh, da, 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 da. okay, so is there one on here? Well, they're not all, they're not all, man. Is there one on here that seems more, the most legit rock to you? And is that going to be your favorite? Or is there anything, like, just that feels more, the most genuine? And maybe the least, like, I don't know, it's hard to say. Because I'm, I'm not a music person. I mean, I like music, I'm not. I mean, so, I mean, they're all, and and that's the, the point. Like, none of these are intentionally funny songs. Like, sure. there are, like, hellhole could have been 
a kiss song yeah. like that or really anybody in that time it's it's about living in a terrible place and yeah. it's being a, a kind of upset about it and then there's that giant gospel sized chorus mm-hmm. behind it and you're like okay and tonight i'm gonna rock you tonight perfect like mm-hmm. that's uh i mean things like uh rock and roll creation as much as i like them that starts to get into that more theatrical side but that's its own genre mm-hmm. just like stonehenge is I do suppose it does. It is kind of sweeping. It covers every different type of rock song that there was at the time. It, it, very important to have a song about America mm-hmm. that doesn't really know what it's trying to do or say. <laughs> yeah, tonight I'm going to rock you tonight. Is just one of those things that can live forever. It mm-hmm. can go anywhere. Anyone can do it, straight or or funny or whatever they want to do. Because that's, I mean, that's not any better or worse than any Len- Lenny Kravitz song. It's mm-hmm. not a. <laughs> Do you, is there anything about it, like, uh, I, for me, I, I feel like there's a separation. We were talking earlier very quickly about A, a Mighty Wind and that you haven't gotten into it yet. Mm. Like, it's a big thing for me, but I think maybe it's because, like, rock and roll has always been unapproachable to me. And while folk isn't, ah. it's easier for me to make fun of in my head. I feel like that, like, rock is just, it's like, well, that sounds like other rock music. It's so good. I feel like the folk stuff maybe is more obviously funny. Maybe I could be wrong. That makes sense. You know? Yeah, I, I, there there is a part of that that I can play all of the songs on that album on the guitar, and mm-hmm. I can't do that as easily for Mighty Wind, or I haven't sat down to do sure. that kind of thing because it didn't speak to me in the same way. But yeah, there is, a, and and there is something about the the musicianship of that that's so interesting in a way that it wouldn't be done today because you can find footage of them touring and doing these songs live, mm-hmm. and it sounds just like they do on the album. It's not they were talented enough to write and produce this and, and they, they really nailed it. And it's, it's hard to think of a modern equivalent, especially if you were to start doing a comedy movie mm-hmm. of getting actors that cared enough to put in the time and work to make this and then tour behind it and learn and write like you, I, it, you just couldn't hire people to do this. You have to find yeah. people that are willing to do this and then to be able to do something that sounds as good live as it does in the studio you you're not gonna you know we don't do that many big music movies anymore but like the cast of gem and the holograms reboot isn't gonna go out and <laughs> they didn't play their instruments yeah. ever yeah so it, it you know you, it's all just pro tooly kind of stuff you're not gonna get anybody from that what was the awful dj movie this year we are your friends <laughs> you, and that's just laptop rock he just has to yeah. hit the button and i don't think he can do that based on <laughs> Have you ever written funny music yourself? Uh, I I tried I tried to do a a funny uh, music sort of film uh, a few years ago, and it just became way too much work. And the impetus for it uh, was one of those things. Uh, my sister goes to a mega church uh, in Kansas, uh-huh. and at their mega church. She's since left, which makes me feel much better about it. Okay. Uh, but they had this group that would come through, and they're playing for 250,000 people. And they're doing Shit. this ar- around the country at mega churches, making more money in a day than I'll ever see in my lifetime. Uh, and this, the concept of this group was that they get on stage... They don't have any songs. They don't. They don't have. They don't have any. They don't have any songs. They get on stage in front of two hundred fifty thousand people, and they don't have any songs. And then they just start strumming their instruments, not notes, not chords, just strumming, just strumming open strings. And they wait for the spirit of the Lord to move through them, 
and then they improvise music through the spirit of the Lord. Uh, and I saw it and I was like, no one on that stage knows how to play an instrument that they just came up with the craziest goddamn lie that they could think of. <laughs> well, if it doesn't sound good, that's because that's what God wanted today. Yeah. And everyone just hands in the air like this is the power of God. And I was like, is no is no one seeing this? Is no one seeing what I'm <laughs> saying? I, I tried to sit down and be like, if, if you if you got your friends to learn three chords each, you could do that. And I tried to do a short film where I did it. And I, at some point I realized like there wasn't anything nearly as funny as the fact it's actually happening. Cause if yeah. you tried to make that movie, people would be like, screw you. But <laughs> no one's that dumb. Right, and right. then I just keep seeing it happen. I'm like, this isn't, that's not, no, you're being, you're being tricked. You, you have to know this is a, a bad, dumb trick. Right. Oh uh, so wow. that's, that's a, and, and it always reminds me of the South park episode where the, the kids get together and they have to download all the music to figure out their styles before they learn to play their instruments. Like, oh, Kenny's more into a Primus prog rock kind of thing. I was like, yeah, I imagine that's what their first band meeting was too. Like, I'm more into like Sublime and Incubus, but I've never played the drums. So let's just say Jesus. Let's try the Jesus route. Can you imagine if that happened with comedy? You got an improv group up who had never done comedy before. Do you think they could find their way? I'm not sure I haven't seen that. Yeah, okay. All right. You I I, I, th I thought you were doing it with stand up. I was like, yeah, I think I've seen that a bunch. <laughs> just a just a guy at a mic. What else? Oh, I see people ten years in that are still doing that. That's not a new thing. I'm so scared of going to open mics just to see that. Like I I know some people really enjoy watching people flounder <laughs> and fall apart on stage, but I couldn't handle it. I'd feel so bad. I'd want to either leave, cry, or just put them out of their misery. I'd and that's uh, that's a that's a fun comparison that friends from New York have made is that in New York everyone is brutally honest with each other, so yeah. people are always telling each other like, "You don't need to do this; you can get out." <laughs> and everyone in LA is such a delicate starfish uh, that it, people are like, you know, good set. And next time it'll really. And I was like, oh, there are people that somebody could be honest with them at some point. It's been yeah. well, fifteen years. Maybe it's not going to click. Right, right. There, There is a comic that a few of my friends and I do shows with, and after every after every show, most of the time he's he's near the, uh, the point of tears at some point, uh, which is uncomfortable. Uh, but after every show, he's always coming up and being like, man, that was a rough set. I, I don't know what went wrong that time. And it's been years of this, so we're like, okay, but can you think of a set that went well? Yeah, can yeah. you tell me about a time that you did comedy and it was for both your enjoyment and the enjoyment of, of an audience. And was, well, you know, tonight was just off. No, <laughs> like see the pattern with me. Come on, man. Oh man. Yeah. That's rough. You know what? The funny thing is like, I've talked about, like you've just kind of disproven something I've talked about before, which is that like music I, I've always said is, is easier is uh, harder to make than I think maybe being funny for a bit. Like I think you can get off on charm with being funny for a little until people realize you're full of shit. <laughs> you can't charm people into thinking you can play guitar. I don't think I could be. Am I wrong? I, f I, I feel like the, the easier thing about music is that if you are playing a song, most of the time people will shut the fuck up. They will, mm -hmm. you, they will wait until you're done with the song. And then there's a comedy. People talk over everything all the time. But if you're playing a song, mostly people are going to wait until you're done to offer a thing. So if you can do a chord, yeah, you can keep 
people's attention for a few minutes and it's it's yeah. it's very especially when you get into outside of acoustic stuff uh the uh, the lead singer of the thermals uh, up in portland has been uh, doing comedy now for a year or so really uh, uh he, right. he got into uh, uh hutch harris awesome awesome dude uh but he was running an open mic I was at, and I was like, "What are you doing? Like you, <laughs> you, you get to be funny on stage for people that already know you and like you mm-hmm. all over the world. Mm-hmm. You've written at least three songs that I can't listen to without crying. What are you doing, starting over again, eighteen years in, hitting up open mics and and doing Holy comedy? Uh, an awful thing, an awful profession with no rewards. Why would you do this? He's like, oh, it's kind of fun, and I and I like to ah. learn." And and he's like, it is a different thing in a thermals show because we go out and I can say funny stuff, but it's mostly a forty minute blast of sound, and then we're done, and then everyone cheers. And in comedy, every eight seconds or so, there's a pause, and then you really have to check back in and see how people are doing with stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's not good. Your <laughs> other thing is such a better. Don't do this. Right. Right. Maybe maybe Hutch will be the one that I finally team up with, and we'll do our our, our comedy band. That'd be fantastic! <laughs> My God, uh, do you have a favorite bit in the movie? Because there's there's so much. Like, first of all, it's res- responsible for so many people thinking they can do improv, and that includes myself years ago. <laughs> Uh, and it's responsible for a lot of people thinking that fake documentaries are the are the best thing in the world. And that's, in a lot of cases, that's they the are. worst part. <laughs> yeah, like there's so much stuff. And again, this is talking from somebody whose first movie is a fake documentary. I'm <laughs> fully aware, like the things that that makes you think you can do. Um, do you have a favorite part? And then what do you think of its effect on like comedy? Because it's I don't know. Um. I- as I as I grow, I think more of my favorite parts revolve around uh, the uh, the manager and the business side of things as he uh, tries to keep that that sort of thing in line. Yeah. At about the start, he starts walking around with just the rugby bat full time. <laughs> uh, just just good to have a bat, <laughs> wood. It's uh. useful. Uh, all of uh, I, I rewatched it a few years ago when I was in a. Uh, somewhat destructive relationship and suddenly the destructive girlfriend storyline uh, who kept inserting herself into the band's business was like, oh, I, s- I see that. Uh, that's a thing. I I think its effect on comedy is less so than its effect on on perhaps all documentaries and especially on music stuff. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there was a Radiohead documentary a few years back called Meeting People is Easy, mm-hmm. uh, which is directed by Grant G., uh, which is a tour film traveling around with them right after OK Computer comes out and they become the biggest band in the world. Yeah. And they're just miserable. They're so goddamn miserable all of the time, every day. And it's shot like a music video from start to finish. Oh, wow. So it just shows them constantly having flash photography taken of in oh, stupid oh, photo shoots. Like There's one where Tom York's face is in a copy machine, and so it's just him having the Xerox light go over his face a hundred times while he's clearly having a headache. Oh, my God. There's there's a, a footage of them trying to get in to their own after-show party, and Tom York isn't on the list, and the bouncer makes fun of him until he leaves. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, it's just all them. It's it's them touring the world and never being able to see anything except for the inside of a bus 
or the backstage of the venue. Like there were, well, we're in Berlin. To, I haven't seen Berlin. I'll never oh see. My God. Just so miserable and sad. Set to the music of Radiohead, uh-huh. uh, and mostly like stuff from their their live shows and like the sounds of them like mic checking and stuff and trying to write new music with, where the only time that they have to try to do that is in the mic checks before the show but no one wants to it's it's this thoroughly miserable miserable thing and you're like why would anyone ever want to do this but having watched spinal tap set me up for that uh, that idea going in of of how funny this can be and i just think it's to me it's one of the funniest movies i've ever seen (laughs) because of that because when you go and and i know that there are parts and i know that it's it's smart and well done, and certainly that fits with the themes of alienation and stuff that they were going for. And the music video director is not unaware of what's happening sure. there. Uh, but yeah, it is like watching an 88 minute stress headache uh, play out <laughs> over a, a, a fax machine, and it's just great. It's so great. Uh, but I think that, you know, Spinal Tap sets up just the idea that you can have that kind of film. Because if you look at things that, the the other films in that genre of of the that try to do you know touring band stuff you've got stuff like you choose rattle and hum mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. such a over the top <laughs> look we love black people i got to say <laughs> how much we love black people here at u2 uh just them touring around and talking about how great they are and who who could possibly ever want that no one wanted that <laughs> they can't they can't want that to still be there i i think it, it sets up a, a an air of humility and honesty that you can't just do a, a marketing film you can't just be like here's how awesome it is to mm-hmm. be me anymore yeah because everyone knows that's just not what happens yeah yeah. So if 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 there is one thing that the fake band movie gives to us, it's the idea that you have to be more truthful yeah. in documentaries about about musicians and the touring experience. My God, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought about it that way. But yeah, I, I there there can't first of all, there's not a musician out there who hasn't seen this movie, right? You know, uh, there's not. A, I don't think there's a documentarian who's worth their salt who hasn't seen this movie. So it's a very good point. Like it's 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 perfect. It's also given us, unfortunately, the fucking term rockumentary, which people take seriously now. It's so that's amazing. <laughs> that's a wonderful prank to pull on pop culture. Uh, I uh, when they start doing all these musicals on Broadway that are like we're using the music of Billy Joel to tell the history of AIDS. <laughs> uh, I, I started using the term uh, reusical for that, and I keep waiting for that to catch it on. It should. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> they call them jukebox musicals, and I'm yeah, like, that's that, not that's not what this is. No, nah, it needs a single word. That's fantastic. <laughs> Holy fuck. Ah. Oh. Now makes me think if it's some. I don't think they're ever gonna get Monty Python and try and turn this into a stage thing where other people are playing them because I feel like that would kill it. That's the thing I love about it is because this movie has this element of uh, since the movie's come out and they've done more stuff, Mm. it's got the element of performance art because when they're they're doing it, they're in character. They don't leave character ever. And they're not it's not because that they're fucking uh you know they're not method actors they're just committed to this fucking dumb joke right this dumb joke that they are these idiots like that's it we're stupid guys who play dumb music but we do it really well uh, and that that simple joke that that can carry them for 30 plus years now that's pretty impressive i mean there's more to it than that right like, you know that's the basics of it it also gave us spinal tap too yes right which i've only seen parts of i've never seen 
all of it. Break Like the Wind, right? Is that the name of it? Or is that just the album? It's, yeah, it's not a... Uh, Shit, what's the name of the actual have, thing? We, yeah, we don't have to talk about that one. <laughs> okay, I have not seen all of it, so... Which, which is perhaps the thing that more people should see if they're gonna... if Like, that should be the new rule if you show somebody Spinal Tap, and they're like, wow, fake bands and mockumentaries, mm-hmm. that's everything you have to be like, now hold on, because <laughs> those same guys couldn't do it a second time so like right. understand that you can't either yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that's a really good point like he they really uh, that do you do you like waiting for guffman i do okay. i do i love i love the rest of the movies i, I like mighty win it's just never sure. clicked for me and there's the thing about spinal tap too that it's just such a testament to editing and maybe more more so than a lot of what it gives okay. us about document documentary filmmaking is just that's how that thing worked. They were able to improv the thing, mm-hmm. but what they improv was hundreds and hundreds of hours of film and yeah. footage, and what they edited it into made sense and made everyone look good in a mm-hmm. cohesive way. And that's so. I wonder now what this would have to look like today to be a very successful fake documentary, because a lot of the documentaries I watch watch are so fucking like I some of my favorite. Like, have you ever seen Beauty Is Embarrassing? No. It's about Wayne White. Wayne White is he's he's been on the show before. He uh, was one of the uh, production designers and stuff on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, fun. It's just a documentary about his process and about how pure this guy is. It's beautiful. And I feel like that's where you have to go next if you're going to do a fake documentary. You have to do this. You have to, like, sub- but how do you do that in a funny way? I don't know. How do you satirize finding the beauty in life? Like, that's what so many of these things are. You know what I mean? But I feel well, like that's, that's also That's Frank Capra dark right there. <laughs> right? You know, so I, I, I don't know, like I, there's this movie called Twinsters on Netflix. It's just cute about these twins finding each other. Didn't know they existed. Like, that's what it is. It's all like this most successful documentaries about the beauty in life. Well, no, the most successful documentaries are oh, well, lo- long term murder. That is true. Yeah, just, that was actually going to be the next thing I was going to say. Yeah. Oh. See, one of the members of Spinal Tap has to maybe murder another member <laughs> oh, of Spinal God. Tap and be framed by a police department and mm-hmm. railroaded through a, an unjust judicial system. Right, right. Mm. <laughs> and then we get to read listicles about why that may or may not be true at all, opinions from people who are not legal folks. It's great. It's it's great. I, 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 I do love the, the whole genre of, of new crime because uh, <laughs> all these documentaries – always have somebody and in the jinx it's the jinx and and in making a murder it's it's so many of these secondary characters but so many of these people are so funny mm-hmm. they're such funny impossible characters really? that if you wrote no one would believe you <laughs> and you spend the whole time being like that's like a real person with like power out in the world who has the power of life and death over multiple people yeah and i don't know what a wacky dude <laughs> That's upsetting. <clears throat> I have not seen it. I don't know if I can handle it. I, I gotta, like I said, I, I love to watch the ones about beauty, but I would, f- I would love to see something really upsetting about beauty. Mm. Mm. I think that's the name of our new spinoff podcast. <laughs> something really upsetting about beauty. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you have other fake bands or other like uh, that you really enjoy or like other bands and other movies that you enjoy? Like, I love that thing you do. I really love that movie. Uh, I have a, uh... I have a band we haven't played in a little while, but uh, we're called the 6090s. Uh, we only cover one hit wonders from the 60s and the 90s. Uh, and so that thing you do uh, one day, I was like, well, we have to. That's both. Uh-huh. Yeah. If one fictionally and one really. Uh, <laughs> that song has to be in there. Of course it does. Yeah, that that movie is so embarrassingly good. Mm-hmm. 
it's solid. It's a very. Have you seen the director's cut of that movie? I have not. There's a director's cut. There is, and I actually there are a couple. Is things it way are, darker? <laughs> There's the, more murders. Right. It's so weird. <laughs> There's a couple bits that are like. They're not too masturbatory, but they're a little longer than they ought to be. But for the most part, it fleshes out characters that aren't fleshed out in the regular movie. And it's really good. Originally, Shades was called Blades because he was the killer. Do you see? Do you see where we're going? It'd be fucking fantastic. <laughs> to, to do one of those horror movie edits of that. Oh, where it's just God, all spooky right? music underneath. <laughs> Ladies, he's sake. <laughs> I mean, it would ha- wouldn't wouldn't the murderer have to be the bass player because he doesn't have a real name? Right, like he's got an alias. He's military, or at least yeah, he's going military. into the military. Yeah. Like maybe he's he disappearing. Already... Exactly. So, like, he seems the most suspicious to me, except for Wolfman. He creeps me out. Although he can play a lick on a bass. That guy. I don't know. Maybe one of the Christian parents. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. They've got to stop rock and roll by any means necessary. <laughs> um, did this? Did Spinal Tap open up your comedy world or music world at all? Like, did it make you go listen to other things in particular? Or were you already sort of where you were at in terms of music and this just added on to what you already loved? I think this actually, uh, at the time, in, enhanced my love of of metal. Yeah. Because uh, I, 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 uh, I, I was just getting into music and, and basically the only thing I liked was Beck. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. And anything outside of that didn't really suit me. Uh, and the, the, everything about the existence of Kurt Cobain, uh, Nirvana taught a generation of kids that they could play guitar without having to go, go to the Guitar Technical Institute to learn how to play a Kansas song. <laughs> uh, no one needs to know the solo to Dust in the Wind. You can just slide a, an Allen wrench against your guitar with a bunch of effects pedals plugged in. Congrats, you're Rage Against the Machine and everybody <laughs> loves it. Uh, and so the idea of technically proficient, like music on that level, was verboten, uh-huh. uh, and it was not something that was particularly interesting to me. And it was actually getting into playing some of the songs from this that I, I found an interest and a like for performing that, but also listening to it. And I think that led it. It took fake hair metal to get me to like actual metal like I feel like my dad tried to get me to listen to the Guns and Roses Appetite for Destruction album for like 10 years and I was like nope none of this is 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 for me and then one day I was like oh yeah welcome to the jungle makes sense right now uh-huh. I get it this very very long song <laughs> <laughs> that's see that's awesome I you don't uh, so wait when were we talking about when you would have rediscovered that for instance like uh, how old were you uh 95 96 is about that time because mm-hmm. i i'd never i'd never cared about music up sure. to that point like i appreciated it. my parents were in a band yeah and i liked blues brothers as a movie and that was yeah speaking that's, of fake bands yes, there we of course. are what, the, what are we fucking thinking <laughs> fucking love that movie you know and that's another one that's also had an unfortunate negative effect on the world of pop culture because if you live in fucking hollywood you see shitty renditions and shitty people playing the blues brothers all the time yes and it's a great movie don't ruin it you know what? I think your dad has a lock is, on it. Your dad's allowed to do it. Is it a great movie? I think it is. I do think so. It's long. It's. I think it's more of a trek than people will give it credit for. It is for. such a long movie. Yeah. It's kind of Have you seen the director's cut? Action. Don't tell me that's real. Is that, that is real. I, it's oh, up on Christ. the... It, it, it's just... It's It's literally just more, more car chases. <laughs> oh, no. Like, they... <laughs> They cut car chases from that movie. There are still more possible. car chases. I mean, 
Oh, I mean that. To be fair, like as a kid, the shit I remember the most was a couple musical bits, and obviously the car chases. Yeah, that just, is the shit you remember the most. Nothing but cop cars hitting um, other cop cars forever, <laughs> like monkeys churning out Shakespeare. That, <laughs> that, and oh wait, that and the the bit where they're singing. Um, Stand by your man. That that thing always kind of stands. And out. where their ex girlfriend has a rocket launcher. Yeah, yeah. The, the sexual politics of the Blues Brothers is a complicated <laughs> it thing. Really, it really is. Um, wait. So the thing is, like, the the reason I asked about like you rediscovering Guns and Roses, then is like I feel like there's a point when I was a teenager, or at the very least, I got this out early. Like I got my love for ir- ironic appreciation and shit out mm. early. So I was like, ha ha, like Journey, ha ha, sticks. And then eventually, I kind of was like, I kind of actually did appreciate that stuff. And it took me a while to ever appreciate any metal at all because I did hate it 100. Uh-huh. percent so it's interesting that you like had a legit appreciation that early in your life for this stuff that a lot of people would be like laughing at or not not wanting to fully appreciate, you know? Well, what I liked uh, in plays of music up until that point was really mostly just like theater and musical theater stuff. Uh-huh. So things like Sticks are right there. The Kilroy yeah. was here sort sure. of thing is just a, is a whole stage production. So that line into some of it, like that I couldn't get into the dumber metal stuff but i could get into the more over the top theatrical like it's a concept album about time and you're like all right i'm in for that uh if i can start picturing the stage show Uh, a few years ago a friend of mine was approached briefly about doing a a reusical uh using the music of sticks yeah uh and i was like can i please and by the time the sentence was out of my mouth the rights had already disappeared of course of course uh also, uh, and I, I, I guess that was the joke I was making before. Uh, they wanted that to be about AIDS. I was like, I don't know. Hmm. It's 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 the the guys the 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 from the band were like, yeah, somebody should write a musical using our our music about some people that have AIDS and are are trying to like make it and pay rent and stuff. And I was like, I I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this. Oh my god. There's been something similar. <laughs> Holy shit. Also, I, lo- I love the idea that it's not just some dumb producers of where it sticks themselves being like, I don't know, it should be about like a rent and and an AIDS. Is that what is that how we should? I've never I, when I look at our music, that's what I think. We were paying rent and trying not to, not get, to AIDS. get AIDS. That's what uh, touring was for us. There are like a few things. I love that about rock operas. If we're going to go there for a split second, it, just because it's either it's always. It is something rentish, I guess, where, like, we get to see the gritty underbelly or whatever, or, like, how people prance through uh, depression or whatever. And then there's... But but most of them are messiah. They're messianic stories, and I feel like that's, like... I actually always want to do one with journey music. I really wanted to do one with with journey music. And, again, I was doing it ironically then, and since then I've been like, no, I actually think it could be really good now, uh, now that I appreciate it more. But you got to find a good thing that isn't a messiah, and I don't know know what that is. Like, it's always a messiah. What's a a good alternate for a messiah? I don't know. There's got to be some other story where that is just where this great, giant, glowing, beautiful music is justified. Like, sticks, like... That makes no sense to me. Like it ha- that would have to be a messiah thing. You know what I mean? Like that would have to be something huge and and gigantic. Uh, you know, I mean, fucking what do you call it? Green Day did it too. They had a messiah themselves as well. You know, and their oh, thing. God, I never saw the show. I oh, like the album, plenty, but I never saw the the show. I, I, 
I remember the lead singer of The Killers got in some trouble for saying like uh, when uh, when Green Day released their American Idiot live show, uh, they did a DVD of of the the very big concert and they recorded it in England. Mm-hmm. And Brad of Flowers was like, "Yeah, it takes a lot of balls to do a show about." how america is dumb and then record it in another country right. and people were real mad at him about that i was like that's not incorrect i don't know what you're yeah. that's pretty funny uh my favorite uh is uh i don't know if you've caught the musical spring awakening i have not uh spring awakening was a german uh sort of uh i guess it was a play or it was a, a book that they had like the turn of the century that taught children about the dangers of ever even thinking about having sex. Holy shit. And if you have sex, you will die. (laughs) Uh, And Duncan Sheik wrote a musical about it uh, that set in, in like turn of the century Germany in like a, in a boarding school. And it's goddamned amazing. And Uh it's very satirical of the original thing, but still Mm -hmm. incorporates the original thing. Uh, and it's just this stunningly great musical, uh, and uh, there is an all deaf production of it uh, that it, that was up here uh, for a little while last year, and it's moved to Broadway because it was really uh, that big of a hit. Holy shit! Uh, some of my friends are involved with that. I just uh, so Duncan Sheik has done all the music for the new American Psycho musical too. Oh, I think you mentioned that on your show. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like that's gonna go gangbusters uh-huh. i think uh because uh you're adapting uh not a uh, mid-century anti-sex propaganda german <laughs> pamphlet uh so that's a step up no 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 savior in that one which is nice yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's that's it's that's, that's a relief i suppose uh oh my god i just thought what what's going to be the first documentary that gets turned into a fucking stage show i think oh wow happen. that'll happen king of kong Oh my God! <laughs> Holy shit! You're right. That should happen. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, hundred percent. Yep, I'm I'm down with that. I really am. Set to the music of. It would, oh, there would have to. I mean, it would have to be a reusable, to use your word, and I really it, like it. It would have to be a reusable of uh, a, what's the Canadian band? Oh, oh, Rush. Yeah, oh, Rush. Yeah, 100%, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, a Rush. A rush musical. For... My God, we, we're both making the eyes right now. Mm-hmm. We should just erase this last part and just yeah. go write it ourselves right now. <laughs> oh my God! You know they are. I mean, they've been talking for years about turning that into. We're really. I'm sorry. We're totally getting off track. But they've been talking for years no, about doing. Maybe not. The bit about doing the uh, the narrative version of King of Kong. Right, and I, uh, with Greg Kinnear as the lead. Really? That yeah. I didn't know. I hope it happens, but it just has gone nowhere because Seth Gordon has such a huge career now. Uh, but, like, it's... I want to see that happen. But I also really like the idea of that as a musical. It's a very funny place we're in in film where we're like, this documentary went well. It's what we used to be doing to foreign films. We're like, we'll just <laughs> remake it so that yeah. there aren't subtitles. We're like, let's remake these documentaries. Mm-hmm. But with, like, prettier people... <laughs> Right. And like a, a sex line and like a sexual storyline. Like that's what this needed. Oh my God. Yeah, that's a good point. And I wonder. So what when the... they were like, we're going to do King of Kong with Greg Kinnear, like, yeah, but why? But still, like, I'll go. It's sure, fine. I'm sure. not, I'm not above being the problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Oh my God! Sorry. So let's 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 try and get back on track with a little more Spinal Tap, a little bit, I guess. Uh, so did you say you can play every song in this album? Have you learned all the songs on the album? I, I used to know them all pretty well. Uh-huh. Uh, 
yeah, the, so, some of the solos were a little tricky to get into, sure, but sure. Uh, you, you get there. I do remember sitting down with two friends and working through a, a big bottom on a couple of bases and just being like, this, it's just it's just this bouncy bump 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 like you're just yeah. it's impossible not to do the dance move with it while sure. you're going it's just such a stupid thing <laughs> oh my favorite part in the movie is the keyboard player i don't know why big <laughs> savage yeah i think so yeah, yeah uh-huh. every every shot hey him doing his creepy Igor face mm-hmm. and then just sliding down some synth line somewhere. You're just like, that guy, yeah. that guy knew exactly who to be. <laughs> I do too. I really kind of love that Like, there is this this undercurrent with the really well put together music and even this goofy, their version of improv. It is not improv as you no. see anywhere else. They will say the stupidest shit and then they're like, no, this is now committed to the history of the characters. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Including... A, a drummer who explodes, which right. is the dumbest, and one of the things people remember the most about it, but it is one of the dumbest jokes in the it's whole It's also the most relatable thing, because drummers yeah. disappear. Yeah, yeah. We've all lost a drummer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. they go. Even Ed Begley Jr. is one of their drummers. You know? Like, that's fantastic. And But, like, they'll say the dumbest stuff, like... I'm pretty sure Saucy Jack was in, invented on the spot. Like, you can see, like, the look on his face. I mean, he's a cool Saucy Jack. Like, he's got this, like, little <laughs> thing in the side of his cor- corner of his mouth. It's like, you fuck. Like, you can, like, I love, I think that's the thing I love about it, watching it, like. Is watching the process? Yeah. yeah. Like, and you, maybe you shouldn't think that's funny, but it it's really hilarious to me. <laughs> like, to see through, like, watch the fucking cogs turn every time they'll make up a dumb joke. Like, there's actually one in A Mighty Wind that is fantastic, where they talk about how they had when, had a shitty record label, where there was, like, they would have no hole in the center, and you had to teeter it on top of, like, it was the dumbest fucking joke. But, like, you again, you could see them inventing it, and they're like, oh, we have to go along with this. <laughs> and they'll go along with the dumbest premises. If you do, if you go to, like, improv school now, they would, they would, you, your teacher at the end of that would be like, okay, but... This isn't believable. This doesn't work. Blah 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 blah. What's the game or whatever the fuck they would say? Which works so well in music because <laughs> anything is believable. Yeah, right. Like, and, and and it's such a good world to do that in because of course <laughs> because it's a place where the stupidest people in the world can have access to whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the pomposity of them all. Like in in a way, I th- I think Harry Shears is the most pompous in that he's like he's he's the most laid back. Yes. But he's also, like, there's just, like, any sincerity that comes out of him is still, like, is then, it's contraindicated to what he's wearing at all times, which is usually, I think, Leather straps. It's good God. He just looks like the biggest fucking idiot. He's got the giantest chops and shit, like. But the pipe. Yeah, and the pipe. That's the other thing. That's the thing where he's like, no, this is my, my Sherlock Holmes. This is my sophisticated English thing. But, like, it's, again, it's none of it ties together into a complete person. And I really... Oh, there's something fantastic about that. And I, Harry Shearer is one of the guys who's I feel like underrated in these because he's the most understated character, right? You know, because Michael. There's and that's how it's supposed to be. I feel like he's the guy who's like, well, I'm. His character is I'm supposed to be the guy in the background, so he has to play it that way. So he has to play it understated. Best in show, yeah. All oh, of yeah. these, he's always oh. just 
you're like, I can't tell if you're stealing this right now or not. What are you doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. To have to be willing to sit back and play the character also who's sitting back, that's ballsy. And like it makes me watch you. It's going to make me watch you. Because as a kid I definitely appreciated Michael McKean and and uh uh why is his name Christopher Guest. Uh, I appreciated them more. Because mm-hmm. they're more over the top. They're more obvious. Like <laughs> do you have a favorite character in the movie? Because I really love Paul Schaefer, now that I think about it. Paul Schaefer is one of my favorite characters in the whole fucking... Artie Fufkin. First of all, that's a great name. Just here, right on my ass. That'll be... Uh, the nanny. I think the nanny... Be- she's great, too! She's... She... She's... That's the... It's the best acting she's ever done. Mm-hmm. Like, to believe her as this sort of cutthroat mm-hmm. business executive that keeps explaining to them what's wrong with their sexual politics. <laughs> yep. In yep. a Walmart way. Uh, it's... <laughs> It's a, it says, smell the glove. And it's, do you not see what's wrong with that? <laughs> I feel like that's one of those things, too, like where you get famous due to a sitcom and people don't appreciate this shit that's in your back catalog. Right. I feel like there's some Fran Drescher shit that I probably have no access to and have never seen and just don't realize that she's a genius. But This she, is our documentary. The Fran Drescher. Oh, yes. Like before the nanny. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. She's got a dark backstory, actually. She really does. Uh, really dark. But like, and then came out of the shit that she went through and became like this brilliant. What is the dark backstory? She's got a like, uh, like a house breaking and rape backstory, oh, wow. and just like Frasier. What? Oh, Kelsey Grammer gets a lot of passes from me because he's had he had like a sister mm-hmm. attacked in front of him Holy and like shit. a family member killed in a burglary. Ooh. Like his. His life story, everything that has okay. ever happened to anybody around him is just awful. Okay, I'd be an alcoholic too or whatever yeah. he is. Yeah, all right. Whenever somebody's like, you know he's a conservative, right? I was like, well. You know what? He can, he's, that's fine. Yep. He can do, he can do that. Yep, yep. He, he, was he wor- lives in a world where that shit's possible that those people are afraid of. I, I, I would uh, build a, a wall around myself too yeah. and fence my, if, if everything bad had ever, yeah. Holy crap. Okay, then. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I give him a pass now, too. I had no idea. But, yeah, same with her. Like, that's why I've always been interested in her, because I know uh, she's got this human story. <laughs> but I'm thinking of her as the fucking nanny, which is, like, right. I enjoyed when I was 12 or whatever. But, like, yeah, she's great in this movie. Fantastic. And Paul Schaefer, I have I have seen people shit on Paul Schaefer. He's a fucking great actor. And he's an underrated genius of a man. And, like, I feel like people should go rewatch it for these parts that you don't think about. Uh, I also sometimes confuse it and think that um, Bill Murray's in it because Bill Murray's in the Ruddles. There's so many cameos in the Ruddles that I sometimes uh, think they're in this. Have you seen the Ruddles? Yes. Do you like the Ruddles? I love the Ruddles. Do you love the Ruddles? Yeah. That's a different one, too, because we've talked about it before, but that's sp- very specifically, like, we have to recreate an exact sound, mm-hmm. whereas there's more freedom in Spinal Tap to do their own thing. Thing. Well, they do that across the time, but for the stuff that's set in the music that they're making, like the EQing and the production values and the amps and the sounds, like mm-hmm. it 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 cost money at that time to make a guitar sound like that kind of guitar, okay. and and that from the production side of things, like that was one of the things that always impressed me about it. It, it gets into that that thing is like you have to work so extra hard. To, it it had to be so much harder to make this fake band than it would have been for them to have actually just made this band with the same songs mm. and gone on tour and done it as a serious thing. Yeah, like they there's there's that that little difference there, and it's it's so impressive that it exists. And I, f- I feel like I never give Rob Reiner credit for any of this. Yeah, I know that was 
actually one of the things that I just noticed in looking on 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 the Wikipedia page, where that he's credited with. Uh, well, it does say all songs written and composed by Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, Michael McKean, and Rob Reiner. So you don't. I don't know which ones he wrote. I don't. Mm-hmm. I can't. I literally can't find the vinyl right now. Uh, so, but I had no idea. Also. Yeah, you for you forget to give Reiner any credit on mm-hmm. that thing that he was he was a part of that in such a big way. Yeah. And maybe that's just because no one likes Rob Reiner, and so we try not to do that. <laughs> I love Rob Reiner. I yeah. love me. I like Meathead. I am fine with him. <laughs> uh, wait, what was he on recently that was really fucking funny? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of 30 Rock. I feel like he did 30 Rock playing himself. Yes, he did, and it was very funny. What episode was that? That was uh, la- one of the last two seasons, and oh, I okay. can't remember. But he, but he was. It was specifically something about being a celebrity and having some kind of you know import it was pretty good oh that thing that rob reiner does now yeah 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 and he knows he does it at least you know that's a bonus i give him a pass because he's witnessed 12 murders actually actually he didn't witness them rob reiner i i'm gonna tell everybody now i'm gonna i'm gonna drop the he he's murdered 12 people he witnessed himself do it this 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 is our is our witness something beautiful podcast where we just pull up a celebrity and we like serial their dark backstory. We just read it from their Wikipedia page and yeah. we do no real research right. and we just sit here and go like, wow, that's messed up. <laughs> All right, see you guys next week. <laughs> do you ever get worried that like in the future the shit that's going to survive, like maybe the books will all burn up and then digitally only some shit survives and the one thing that survives about Rob Reiner is the conversa- fake conversation we just had about him. Like, so in the future... I like that you started that with, do you ever worry? I was like, last week I was worrying. (laughs) You don't understand. I have thought about this several times. What if the thing I just said somehow magically is the only thing it's ever that anybody knows about in the future? Because, like, if you tell a kid this is the truth about life, eventually they're going to believe it. And if they don't have any exposure to anything else, let's say Rob Reiner murders them early so they don't get to learn about life. Poor example. You know, they're not going to know that that's not true. So it's, you know, like knowing somebody from a latter day part of their fame, like knowing Orson Welles as the guy from the the champagne ads and and not as the... Oh, Oh, those are the greatest things the Internet's ever given us. Um, uh, Sorry, again. I I, I worry that sometimes we're not close enough friends and then sometimes Mm -hmm. I worry if we were this is what would happen (laughs) we would just pollute the world with bad celebrity murder gossip Mm -hmm. I mean I just wrote a whole fake book of fake history because I just thought I love Weird Al but wouldn't it be funny if I intentionally tarnished his reputation in my book like I make him not a great guy in my book because I thought it would be funny to do that like because I you know anyhow Rob Reiner's not a murderer that I know of. He could be. I, I'm leaving it open to interpretation. This is going to be so weird that we're we start this conversation and uh-huh. then it does come out like it, it was indirect. It was a couple of drunk driving hit and runs. Right, right. Uh, but uh, you know the police have been looking for this for years. They've been looking for that link. And what do you know? <laughs> God, just this anti-Rob Ryder podcast we created. <laughs> Press this to vinyl. You're now going to be called as a witness, though. That's the thing. You realize that, right? <laughs> like, um, okay, so towards the end of the show, mm-hmm. what I like to have people do is, in a couple sentences, you're not limited to a couple, but let's say somebody's ever heard Spinal Tap. Yeah. Let's say somebody's ever seen Spinal Tap. They only know some of these guys from The Simpsons or whatever other thing they might have seen them in. Uh, what's a good reason to listen to this? Why sit down and listen to this issue if you've never heard it? What's what's important about this album? Uh, what's important about this is that they found a way to do the best and worst of the history of rock and roll simultaneously. 
and everything you like you will really like and everything you don't like you'll get to laugh at because mm-hmm. uh, it's all just handed to you yeah. uh, and there's something very delightful about something that can exist on those levels like there is it is it is a bizarre thing that you can listen to this album for enjoyment and listen to it as a rock and roll album yeah uh, separate from having to think about wasn't that a wacky scene mm-hmm. Stonehenge is a great song yes yeah. you don't have to just think about the fact that there were some dwarves dancing or, or, or trotting upon a model mm-hmm. uh, that's that's what it is it gets to do all those things at the same time that's perfect yeah that's perfect I I will say this as a side note I desperately want to see them live my buddy Jeremy I think he said his brother saw them live they're playing Stonehenge. The expectation is tiny Stonehenge. Uh-huh. They bring in a Stonehenge that is two or three times too large. Oh, just no. to kill your expectation. Oh, no. So just to fuck with you. So there's just giant. Just the, no room to move st- around. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I love a fuck you like that to, to, to your fans. Like, it's not like a genuine fuck you, but it's like, you know what? There's only one other way to play this, you know? Like, it's so goddamn There's brilliant. only one other way. They really, like, you know, that's like they knew the perfect way to do the joke, and they did it. And, ah, uh, God, they are gods. I love these guys. He moves to a lute at that point in the song. <laughs> an electric lute. Yes. Who writes, even from a, uh, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. The musicianship is so good. It's yeah. such a... It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's really like, that is like, the, it's you know, it's got these Zeppelin-y, this Zeppelin-y feel to it, but I don't really care for Zeppelin, so I really like this song. Like, it's my alternative to Zeppelin. And and all that earlier Brit pop rock stuff and yeah. the Flower Child thing, like, yeah. that's so Zeppelin because Zeppelin mm-hmm. got to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. I Actually, I was always kind of weirded out when in Mighty Wind, I feel like they were just fucking, like, making fun of themselves because... They also do a Flower Child song in that sh- in that movie, and I th- I feel like the joke is we're obviously fifty five and we're playing it as though we're sixteen, you know. And I, I think and so like, but it, it was very funny. Like, it, or maybe the joke was uh, it looks like we're not aware that we've already done this gag before. Like, you know, that's the other thing I wonder too. Um, oh, that Christopher Guest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so watch this damn movie. Listen seriously by the soundtrack though. There are only a few things that are in the movie that aren't on the on the album, but listen to it. It's a good listening experience. I want to imagine you that know? somebody listened to this and has not seen Spinal Tap and just oh. heard us make weird asides this whole time. Right, right. Fran Drescher, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, that, that would be weird. I, but it's happened. I know it's happened. Like, somebody has to have listened to this before they saw the movie or knew anything about it. Bought it because it's just a black cover. Like, yeah. You know? And, uh, Okay. Where can people find you? What is there anything coming up? I'm going to try and put this episode up next week. So. Uh, I'm at Brock Wilbur on Twitter, uh, at Brock Wilbur on Instagram, Brock Wilbur on the Facebook, BrockWilbur.com for the website. Not not big on using other silly names. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good. Uh, I've got three albums up on iTunes of, of stand-up. I host the Brock Party podcast. I host uh, Laughing at Archaeologists, a Doctor Who podcast. Uh, I, awesome. I write over at uh, inverse.com, uh, which is a really cool thing to come check me out at. And uh, all my uh, stand-up shows and things are listed on the, the website, or I pimp them out on the rest of the social media. Come say hi and grab a drink. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is a ton of fun. You should yes. come back. 
Yes. Um, maybe even, I feel like you would be very suited to me giving you an album to listen to that you've never heard before. That sounds about right. Okay. Assign me a thing. Yeah, I've done it. <laughs> like, there's some of our best episodes. Joseph Scrimshaw and I talked about a Maury Amsterdam a damn album. <laughs> Holy fuck. That was one I, of the I best. Do, I do have to listen to that episode now. That was good. The it was two so of you much doing fun. that. It was so great. Oh. oh, shit. Okay, well, listen to the album. Listen to Brock's stuff. All of Brock's stuff. Watch all of Brock's stuff. Mm. Read all of Brock's stuff. Yeah. Uh, find where he lives. If you email me, I'll give you his home address. And I, I won't do that. That's a horrible Everyone thing Everyone has it. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I've got nothing to promote. So, as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com.